live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Put politics aside for a moment. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care if you're a conservative or a liberal. Put politics aside for a minute and and just ponder my starting question to you, which is, what the hell is the matter with Donald Trump? I, I, I mean, all right. One of the non-unique Wagner's rules of life, we have many Wagner's rules of life, a lot of which I have come up with, but one of the non-unique rules is never make the same mistake twice. That You know, that's it's we all make mistakes. The question is, can we learn from our mistakes and move on? And you see some people who just, you know, refuse to acknowledge that they did anything wrong, and as a result, they just tie themselves up in knots over and over and over again. All right, what has been one of the defining things over the last couple of years of the Trump presidency? It has been allegations of a conspiracy with Russia to influence the 2016 election. What do we know? We know that Russia did meddle in our elections. There is no question about it. You cannot argue the fact that Russia was trying to screw around with our election process. For the last couple years, you have had the Trump administration that has been bogged down by allegations that it was involved in a conspiracy with the Russian government to influence the election in violation of the laws. That That is untrue. I mean, you could argue it's unproven. I don't believe that that it's true either. Um, I I don't think the Trump campaign was involved with the Kremlin, but I do think it's clear that the Kremlin was trying to influence elections. One of the takeaways that we have to come with from the last couple years in the Mueller report is that you you have these foreign powers that want to meddle in our election process, and that is not a good thing. So President Trump who dodged any sort of recommendation of criminal charges on the whole idea of collusion. He's now faced with some people who want to have him impeached because even though there was no underlying crime, he was upset at being wrong, investigated for something that he never did. And he instructed his aides to, well, do certain things that might have hampered the investigation. And the aides didn't do any. But, I mean, this whole thing has bogged down the Trump administration for the last couple of years. So you would think moving forward, we would be, if we want to turn the page, we would be extremely sensitive to foreign government's involvement in our elections. And if you think Russia isn't going to try to meddle in the 2020 election, be sure to tuck your shoulder when you fall off the turnip truck so you don't hurt yourself. All right, so against this backdrop, Trump is doing an interview with ABC News yesterday. Why he's talking to George Stephanopoulos, eh, that who knows? But in any event, he's asked the question specifically about, well, if if Russia came to you with dirt about one of your opponents in 2020, 
Would you go to the FBI with it? What would you do with it? You know, if they came to you with opposition research, what would you do with it? And his response is, I think you might want to listen. There isn't anything wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think you'd want to hear it. Um, when Stephanopoulos then asked whether he'd want that kind of interference in American politics, Trump pushed back. He said, it's not interference. They have investigate information. I think I'd take it. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI if I thought there was something wrong. In other words, all right, if foreign governments, and, and this is the message the president is sending, if foreign governments decide that they want to spy on politicians in the United States, and they want to come to, at least in this case, the Trump campaign with information resulting in that, well, he doesn't necessarily think he's going to go to the FBI. He would consider listening to this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry. The sound you hear is my palm slapping my forehead. I don't care how you feel about Donald Trump. I don't care if you love him. I don't care if you hate him. I don't care if you're a conservative or a liberal. I mean, really. Do we want do we want foreign powers spying or attempting to do quote unquote opposition research on American politicians and then trying to peddle that to their opponents? Is that something that we want? 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. My I, I gotta think that, that maybe Maybe President Trump just enjoys the the controversy and decides, well, we we haven't had enough controversial headlines in the last day or so. So here, let's do this. But, I mean, seriously, again, I don't care where you come down on President Trump. Do you think that politicians should be listening when foreign governments, Norway, Russia, Iraq, I don't know, come and peddle opposition research on political opponents and, and what is the appropriate response 414-799-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line and i guess my starting point is you know there's a reason why you have these laws that say foreign governments aren't supposed to try to influence elections and and for any politician that especially after the last couple years, that decides that they're going to take meetings with foreign governments to try to, I don't know, obtain opposition research, have we learned absolutely nothing? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Dan in New Berlin. Dan, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how are you today? I'm frustrated. <laughs> well, yeah, I may even frustrate you more. I'm sorry, but I, to me, it's, 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 it's open season now. It's fair game. If I were the Democrats, I would just, I mean, if he's going to use opposition research from other countries against the Democrats, I, if I'm the Democrats, I'd be begging for the information from foreign countries. Look at all the, uh, the, the subpoenas and we want his taxes and that. Right. He's, he's, he's stymied us on all that stuff. Let's go to another country. Maybe they can get that information for us so we can all see it. I say, you know, it's fair game. All, all gloves are off. All bets are off. Let her rip. Well, I can, let me, let me ask the, the bigger point because we're going to have, we're going to have elections beyond 2020. So you know, we're, we're talking about kind of larger principles. Do you think 
it's good. For, forget Trump for a minute. I mean, do you think it's good that you have political parties or individual candidates who are apparently open to sitting down with foreign governments and using those foreign governments as intelligence gathering sources on opponents? I mean, it, I guess there's just something that strikes me as being fundamentally un-American, besides perhaps yeah. illegal about that. No, I, I agree completely. I wouldn't want it to happen, but it, it's it's what's it's where we are. Uh, it, it, if you argue against him and say it's wrong, it, it, you're just beating your head up against the wall. So you can't beat him. You might as well join him. That's the that's the trouble. The road we're going down with Donald Trump is the bar is being lowered and lowered and lowered, and eventually the other side is going to do the same thing, and that's where we'll be. No, I'm, I'm fundamentally against it. But if you can't beat them, you got to join them. All right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I just know that I, I continue. You're, you're using the analogy, the phrase, you're beating your head against the wall. I am literally slapping my forehead with my palm now because this is, you know, this is the idea. I mean, the idea that, that governments, including governments that do not necessarily have our best interests at heart, would choose to meddle. I mean, I, look, I understand why Russia's trying to meddle in elections. I, I get it. It's to their advantage. This is why we have these laws that are supposed to stop this. This is why the, the Mueller folks have indicted all these Russians. Now, they're never going to be able to bring them to justice because they're never going to leave Russia. But, but it's why we're trying to enforce these laws. And I guess I, my point would be I, I don't. I don't want foreign governments, especially governments whose interests might be hostile to the United States' interests, I don't want them meddling. And if candidates shut them down, I mean, look, maybe there's nothing you can do to stop them from buying the Facebook ads or, you know, running the phony websites or whatever. But if you're a candidate, one of the things that you can say is, yes, oh, we've got somebody from Norway that wants to peddle a dossier on whoever. All right, you can say, no, I, I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to turn this information over to the FBI or wherever. 414-799-1620. The president had an opportunity to say that yesterday, and, and he, he, not, he chose not to. We continue the conversation in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. I'm sorry, some of the texts are making my head explode on this. Here's one. So, Jeff. If it's fundamentally wrong for foreign powers to push their own agenda, as in other countries' political elections, and by the way, in the U.S., that's illegal. Um, can you honestly say with a straight face that the United States does not involve itself in other countries' elections, especially those not democratic? No, I, I understand. Yes, I, I'm reading a book now on Richard Holbrook, who was, you know, it, it, it traces his involvement in Vietnam and then the, the Carter administration and then the Obama administration. No, the U.S. was up to its neck, for example, in trying to influence South Vietnamese policy, you know, in, in Vietnam. I, I know that the United States does that. CIA does that. Yes, we, we do that. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we should embrace that when other countries try to do it here. And by the way, it, it is illegal to do. And I guess part of the thing that irritates me is this idea that, OK, now because it's Donald Trump, we, we need to pretend that this isn't a big deal. I mean, yeah, do you really want Russia? Now, what do we know that Russia did in 2016? Forget the collusion type of stuff. We know Russia had a number of operatives that were posing as American citizens or setting up websites or whatever, and, and they were trying to drive public opinion to elect the candidate they wanted to do. Do you really want, do you think that that's really a good idea? 
and for a candidate, in this case the President of the United States, to say that, well, okay, if somebody came to me with this information, yeah, I'd, I'd consider using it. Really? I mean, aren't we better than this? 414-799-1620. And again, this isn't, I don't care where you come down on the whole issue of Donald Trump. Do you really want Russia or Iraq or China, you know, meddling in our election process? And my answer would be no. Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Love the show. Thank you, Mark. You know, it's uh, it's getting to the point where now not only are you going to be able to, to buy laws with lobbying, now they're going to be able to, to buy elections because th- this should be a nonpartisan issue. No yes. matter where you stand on the line, you should not want the decision of who runs our country influenced or affected by any other foreign power. Even if it's not my candidate, I would rather see the opposing candidate win than my candidate win due to an outside interference. And that should be the same no matter where you stand, as long as you're a true American and want to stand up for our sovereignty. That's where you should go. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I read that whole first part of the Mueller report. I, I read it so other people didn't have to. And it was striking in the details of how it, it, it described, you know, how systematic and secret the efforts of Russia were to influence our election. And it, it just, it's just kind of cringeworthy. And, and, okay, in this particular case, it was Russia trying to get Donald Trump elected. But, okay, maybe next time it's going to be China trying to get Bernie Sanders elected or something. I don't know. I don't want foreign governments doing that the law says they're not and it starts with the candidates coming out and saying no we're we're you know if, if we're getting this stuff we're we're not taking it we're not taking those meetings is that too much to ask for you know it's not and uh, it's almost to the point where you're going to expect the candidate to now just go out and publicly ask for help from a foreign power to interfere or meddle in an election, you know, like almost ask for emails or something, you know? Well, that, I mean, right, th- thanks for calling. No, you, I mean, I, look, I, I don't mean to overplay this, but it, it, if, I'm, if I'm China, if I'm red China, all right, and, and I'm, I'm looking at what the president says yesterday, to me that is almost like an invitation to say, all right, let's say that um, – here, it's almost like an invitation to say, go out, do whatever you can, find dirt on some candidate, and then funnel it to a campaign. And for the people who can't separate this from a, well, we love Donald Trump and we want to see him get reelected, take my example. What if China now decides, all right, we're going to take our considerable resources, we're, we're Bernie Sanders people, we think we think if we brought Bernie Sanders in, he would, you know, he would not take as hard a line on all these various issues as Trump does. We want to get Bernie Sanders elected. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to systematically start trying to collect negative information and influence the American election to vote against Donald Trump. Do you really want Red China doing that? And do you really want candidates embracing that and my answer would be again regardless of where you are in the political spectrum that the simple answer is is no joe in greenfield joe you're on wtmj hi jeff hi joe thanks for taking a call sure listen i i'm 74 years old and you know i have voted in the past for republican presidents and democrat presidents and I'm going to be honest with you. I have never seen a guy stick his foot in his mouth as much as this guy has. It's just unbelievable. You know, and even though, you know, some of his policies don't even seem bad. But all of a sudden, he'll just goof the whole thing up. I, I This one came complete. I, I get, that's where, you know, that's where I kind of started. If 
for the last two years, I, I think I understand why he thinks this investigation was flawed, why he thinks it was unfair, why he thinks it was a political attempt to delegitimize his presidency. And I understand why he's hacked off. And, and to a certain point, I, I sympathize with him. But then you want to talk about taking a little tiny fire and throwing gasoline on it. That's what you do when you say, oh, well, even after the last couple of years, yeah, if if Norway or Russia or China's got information on some of my opponents, bring it on. I'll listen. I just can't believe you know. I just can't believe what he comes up with. Sorry, Jeff. I know. No, thanks. I don't, don't don't apologize. I I can't believe th- this either. When when I saw these headlines, you know, la- we went out to dinner last night. I came back and I was just starting to research. I you know after I I, I walk up the show, I, I try to kind of stay away from current events for a few hours, and I start to focus on it later on in the evening to make the next show. And I'm I'm reading some of these headlines, and I'm saying this can't be. It, it 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 can't be. We have to be moving on from this, and and I guess we're not. Now, look, we're. I'm not going to spend the whole show on this. I'm not going to spend the whole hour on it because I I understand that that some some people can't get past the fact that we we want to see Donald Trump reelected, and so anything he says is okay, and anything goes. I I, I get that. I'm not I'm not at that point though. I I think this the process. The process is important, and one of the things is that I the law says, and I think it's a good law, that you know foreign governments aren't supposed to meddle in our elections. Now, if you want to argue we should change the law and let China or Russia or whoever try to you know implicitly or explicitly in you know meddle in our election process, well, okay, I'm willing to have that discussion. Don't think it's a good idea, but let's change the law. But the, 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 where it all starts is candidates having to recognize, no, you know, we're we're not going to be reaching out to foreign governments, and we're going to be sort of self-policing. And what the president did yesterday was move us substantially away from that. Is it going to hurt him? No, probably not. Probably not. But it, it's a distraction. But more importantly, it's just the wrong thing to say. I mean, do you really want red China influencing our elections? My answer would be no. This is Jeff Wagner. Jordan, who's doing a double shift, producing my show today. You should have told me that that topic was just going to get my blood pressure going. It was not the one to start the show with. All right, that's okay. I'm calm. Hey, do you need a safe space? No, no, no. I No, believe me, I do not need a safe space. This is my safe space. Um, when we come back, though, well, political correctness run amok once again, this time in connection with the Civil War. Yeah, I know the Civil War ended in 1865, but it's an interesting story. Huh. I will read you the story the way it appears on one of the TV station's websites. A man who admitted to hitting and killing a public works employee with his car and leaving the scene. Remember the story. This was the the public employee, the the um, uh, the Brian Rodriguez, 54 years old, long term public employee who was filling potholes on 17th and West Vine a while back. Um, he was hit by a car driven by this guy named Teron Claiborne. The collision, so that the car came up, smashed into the back of the, the DPW truck, but Mr. Rodriguez was behind the DPW truck, so he was pinned in. The collision left him pinned between his car and the truck. Um, he died from his injuries. Claiborne, being the scum that he is, 
ran from the scene, left his girlfriend behind in his car. He was a fugitive. He was arrested 12 years later. He has been convicted of driving without a license 14 times in the last four years. Convicted 14 times in the last four years. And now finally you have this situation where, you know, a public employee is dead as a result of this guy's behavior. And to show you what kind of human being he is, he flees the scene. You know, and again, he leaves his girlfriend behind. He flees the scene and remains a fugitive for, you know, going on two weeks. All right. He was sentenced in Milwaukee County Circuit Court today. Twelve years. Twelve years. Twelve years in prison for killing a 54-year-old public employee who was doing nothing more than working behind his truck. And, I mean, if you want to understand somebody who has no no regard for human life at all, that would be Teron Claiborne. Because, again, this is somebody convicted of driving without a license 14 times in the last four years. Now, before somebody calls up and says, well, Jeff, that wasn't the whole sentence. Yes, he got 12 years in prison, but he also got 11 years of probation after his release. Oh, for the love of... 11 years of probation after his release. Oh, Mr. Claiborne, all right, you know, don't drive without a license. Don't drive without a license again, you know, because you might hit and kill somebody else. I, look, I, I understand the jails are full, and I understand that maybe in a situation like this, this particular murder and it's you know hit and run causing death is perhaps different than if he was a contract killer but you know what somebody's dead somebody's dead and this public worker is never going to his you know he's never going to be coming home to his you know family uh, again his life was taken by this behavior and this isn't a situation where again oh gosh somebody was looking the other way or, or whatever. I mean, this is somebody who was driving in a reckless fashion, who had no business being behind the wheel of a car at all, who didn't have the integrity to, to stay there on the scene, who fled, who ran, who hid like a coward, and, and they get 12 years in prison, 12 years. Life, and, and you wonder why things are so out of control on the streets of Milwaukee. Um, if I was... If I was a public employee, particularly somebody working at the DPW, I would be shaking my head saying, man, you're putting us out on the streets with these people like this Teron Claiborne, and, and if they do something, um, you're, if they kill us in this type of fashion and then run and hide, you're, you're going to only sentence them to 12 years in prison? Wow. I'm not sure what message it sends, but I don't think it is a good message. When we come back... The demise, the permanent demise of a local institution and, all right, should the people have a say? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Well, that last section didn't help lower my blood pressure either. I mean, okay, the, the dazzling details about this Tehran Claiborne, and, and I understand we, we have so much of this stuff going on around here that people just get numb to it, but this is the guy Never had a valid driver's license, never had a valid license, has 14 prior convictions for driving after suspension dating back five years. 
Um, after the crash, after he slams into the DPW truck and kills the man, he and his girlfriend, they flee. They wave down a driver who took them to the girlfriend's house. Her story is she wanted to go to the hospital, but he threatened her with a gun and demanded that she drive him to his brother's house, according to the complaint. Um, at the hospital, she told the staff that Claiborne killed someone and that she was scared he was going to kill her. Okay, so that's that's the person we are dealing with. The maximum penalty for this, and this was kind of a product of a plea agreement and stuff, the maximum penalty was 18 years. He gets 12 years and 11 years of probation. So you might say to me, okay, Jeff, if you were the judge, what would your sentence have been? And I'll tell you, it would have been 18 years. It would have been every damn day. There's no question about it. you got a person that's dead, for goodness sakes. They're, they're dead. He's killed somebody. And this, I understand that there's situations where, you you know, some things are in it, some things are unavoidable. You know, you will have situations sometimes, they used to call them, they call them dart outs, where you're driving down the street, you're paying attention, and the little kid runs out from behind the car, and, and you can't hit the brakes soon enough. Okay, I mean, I understand sometimes stuff just happens, but this this is something that should not have happened. Somebody is dead. And, yeah, I think 18 years every day would be the appropriate sentence for that. All right. Let us switch gears. The state right now charges you $75 every year to re-up the registration on your vehicle, right? A number of communities over the last several years – Um, have decided that they want to add their own wheel tax on top of that. For example, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you pay $20 per vehicle for the privilege of having your vehicle registered in the city of Milwaukee. If you live in Milwaukee County, you pay $30 extra for the privilege of having your vehicle registered in Milwaukee County. So for those of you keeping track, that means if you live in the city of Milwaukee, which is also Milwaukee County, you pay 50 you pay 50 bucks on top of the 75, $125 a year. Increasing these wheel taxes. More and more communities ha- have done that. Right now, um, apparently there, there's at least 27 communities that do this. Wheel tax revenue has tripled dramatically. And one of the things that happens is that the communities say, we, we're not getting as much money from the state. We need to do this because we want to put it into the roads. All right, that, that's fine. The problem, though, is a lot of times the communities say they want to put it into the roads, and you're never sure exactly where that money goes. Um, for example, you know, in Milwaukee County, um, the money that they made from their wheel tax, well, um, $11.4 million went to the general transit operations. $2 million helped fund a bus rapid transit system. Okay, so the question is, all right, maybe if you were, set, if you were set, told, all right, would you support you know, a wheel tax that's going to help with road improvements? Maybe you'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of all the potholes. We need extra money. We're not getting enough dough from the state. But... But if they said, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to put this wheel tax on and we're going to use some of it to fund a bus rapid transit line, for example, maybe the people would say, no, we're, we're not exactly on board with that. In any event, Republican lawmakers are seeking a change in state law, 
which would say that before you, Milwaukee, county, city of Milwaukee, city of Waukesha, Appleton, wherever, before you could impose a wheel tax, you would have to, first of all, get a referendum. You'd have to put it to a referendum of the voters. In Milwaukee County, this there was not a there was not a binding referendum that was held. And keep in mind, Chris Abley, county executive, remember he wanted to double he wanted to double the wheel tax. He wanted to take it from thirty to sixty dollars. And the county supervisor said, "Oh, well, we're we're holding the line. We only made it thirty bucks." In any event, this legislation would require that before communities could still go ahead and impose the wheel tax, but it would have to be approved by the voters. In a referendum, our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, as you might expect, some of the, the people, some of the elected officials in these counties or in the cities, they're objecting to this. They're saying, oh, this is just another power grab from the state, you know, taking away local control. All right. Is requiring a referendum taking away local control, or is it the ultimate form of local control? 414-799-1620, before communities can impose a wheel tax, should they have to get approval of the voters? Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're first. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, Hey, I just got my bill for, I got two vehicles that are getting renewed for stickers. Uh, 125 apiece, well, that's 250. Yep. Yep. And uh, I have, like, uh, potholes in my alley that's been there for, like, half a year. Yep. And uh, potholes on the streets around me, and uh, I'm paying 250 Yeah, well, it, it, right, it, exactly. So before, for example, before Milwaukee County or the city could raise that rate even more, do you think that you should have a right to vote on it? Uh, I think so. Yeah. No, thanks for call. I do, too. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand that you've got some of these local officials who just kind of want to do this without people necessarily paying attention to it. They, they don't like this idea. They say, well, you're taking away local control. No, this is the ultimate, to me, example of local control. It's like we do with the school spending referendums. Okay, there's caps. There's revenue caps. If you want to blow through the revenue cap, that's Okay. The public just has to make that decision. I think given the fact that you have more and more of these communities that are turning to these wheel taxes, I think that that's a reasonable thing presented to the voters. On top of that, I guarantee you that if you present it to the voters, you're going to have to, my guess is you're going to make sure that it's going to get spent the way that is intended to be spent. Namely, okay, you want to impose a 30 or 40 or 50 or $60 wheel tax in a particular community? Well, okay, tell us exactly what that money's going to be used for, not, oh, gee, we're just going to put it into general transit revenues or, or use it to pay for buses. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is a good idea. Make it just like school spending referendums. Goodness knows, I mean, these school spending referendums pass at an alarmingly high rate, or at least a substantially high rate. If you can make the same case, make the case. We're back in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner. Andy text Jeff, what is the wheel tax intended for? Repairing roads. You just gave figures on what it was spent on, and it didn't sound like roads. 
Um, if that's what it was intended, then the people should have a say. Yeah, in Milwaukee County, at least several million dollars, a couple million dollars generated by the wheel tax went to the, this rapid bus transit dream that Cleveland has. Yeah, I mean, that that's my only point, that I think it makes perfect sense to say to municipalities, all right, just like school spending referendums, you want to impose a wheel tax, fine, let people vote on it. And I guarantee you, if you do that, that's a way to hold those municipalities more accountable to make sure the money gets spent where it's intended. Jeff, the referendum is a step in the right direction. However, the problem is they just keep bringing it back over and over again until eventually it passes. Yeah, I I understand you can only do so much, though. Start with the referendum. Here's another text. Jeff, wheel tax referendum, yes. Lockbox funds for roads only, yes. I agree with both of those. Okay, coming up right after Melissa's News. The South Shore Water Frolics, well, they're DOA. Fight over the Civil War reenactors that have been doing this for years and years. I'll tell you about that. And the 40th anniversary of the disco demolition and a new controversy out of Chicago. Stick around. It's all coming up. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, congratulations to the hipsters in Bayview and some people in both City of Milwaukee uh, government and Milwaukee County government. You've done it. You have killed the South Shore Frolics. The South Shore Frolics have been a summer institution in Bayview since the late 1940s. They were taken over by the uh, the Lions Club, the Bayview Lions Club, in 1995, and they've been staging the event. And there, there's a parade, and there were all these activities. And the highlight of the the event was uh, fireworks. They used to have a huge fireworks display. They would call it Blow Up the Beach. Now, this this fireworks event was a key event for them to make money. It costs, well, at least a couple of years ago, those are the most recent numbers I have, it costs about 90000 bucks to stage this, this, this the, the three-day frolics. And this is, it's a little, it's a Bayview Lions Club, right? So, I mean, it's not like they're rolling in dough. Last couple years, they had it. They, they actually lost money. But part of the reason that they were losing money is that, yeah, the festival had live music and food and classic car shows. But it was the fireworks display because people were attracted to the fireworks. So that the fireworks would bring people down and then they, they'd spend you know, money on beer and things like that. Well, um, the f- tradition for the fireworks, the blow up the beach, that ended in in essentially 2018 um, because people started complaining about the fireworks. Um, uh, actually, Blow Up the Beach was canceled in 2016. And so what what happened is you, you cancel the fireworks, and you cancel the fireworks because some of the neighbors complained about the noise. This is the gentrification of Bayview. You know, new people moving in, going, well, we don't like that noise that's there. And they didn't like the fact that, hey, people came to Bayview. You know, you had these people that would come down and actually attend these street festivals. Well, we didn't like that. And some people were saying, well, the atmosphere uh, of the South Shore Frolics no longer represents Bayview. We are 
We are the gentrified Bayview, and now we have the great unwashed coming in to participate in this festival. And and look at the fireworks. Oh, my God. So what ended up happening is after, because of, of this pressure that was brought on the organizers, in part through government, to do away with the fireworks, well, once you do away with the fireworks, you, you that was one of the big draws. So you had this festival that was always financially fragile to begin with. Then you take away the draw of the fireworks, and and you know people just don't come. Now the reason I am mentioning is this is there is a sort of breaking news story about this. The um, festival again goes back to the 1940s. The Lions Club had hosted it since 1995. The event was was canceled last year but the hope was we'll be able to get it together and we'll be able to bring it back well all right here's what the bayview lions club says now to answer all the questions we have received surrounding the south shore frolics in 2019 we are sorry to say there will be no event this year nor in the foreseeable future. The Bayview Lions appreciate all the support Frolics goers have shown us over the years, and we truly sympathize with you over its loss. As we have previously stated, the skyrocketing costs involved with putting on the Frolics was too much for the Bayview Lions to sustain. And, of course, this all, it it, it costs a lot of money, but it also comes back to the pressure. It all ties into, in my opinion, to the fireworks. You know, the, the, once, they, once they were essentially forced by the complainers to do away with the fireworks, that pretty much guaranteed that they weren't going to get the attendance that they normally would have gotten, and it kind of guaranteed that they were going to lose money. So now they've said, okay, it, it's just done. So uh, a festival that's lasted for, you know, 60-plus years, it's now history. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, people that objected to this festival, some people complained about the noise and the litter and, uh, again, oh, they've got these fireworks and there's people that are coming down and they're shooting off these things and there's booms and it's disturbing our sleep for a, a couple nights. All right, so they've won. The, the Bayview Lions Club, and they're not the villains of this piece. They just throw up their hands and say, you know, we, we can't we, we can't lose money on this. So now the festival is gone, and it appears like it's dead. 414-799-1620, that's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is the community going to be better off because the Lions Club doesn't put this on anymore? Or is this going to be a huge loss to that community, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, a lot of this of us were afraid that this was going to happen, you know, back in, in 2000, you know, once once they took the year off in 2018, because a lot of times when these events take the year off, they, they never come back again. But you know what? This this was a local institution, and I understand that local institutions, sometimes events run their course. The circus parade had run its course. I don't think the South Shore Water Frolics, the South Shore Frolics had necessarily run its course. I just think that what happened is you had a lot of people that ended up meddling that made it impossible for this to continue. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, is Bayview going to be better now that the frolics are gone and my guess is maybe you grew up going to the south shore frolics are you going to miss it 
414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. All right, the South Shore Frolics, which have been taken over by the Bayview Lions Club since the mid-1990s, they are no more. They, they disappeared in 2018. There was hope that they would be brought back this year. The answer is no. Part of it is the fact that the city of Milwaukee, Milwaukee County, and Milwaukee County Parks really weren't willing to work with the organizers to give them any sort of break at all on costs for renting things. But the big the big thing was the fact that they weren't, they weren't able to do their fireworks anymore, and that's what attracted a lot of people to the area. So th- this event it, that's been, I think, a mainstay in Bayview for years and years and years and years and years, decades, is, is now gone. Are you going to miss it? Is the community really going to be better because this event has disappeared? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Todd in Greenfield. Todd, you're first. Hello. How are you doing there, Jeff? Hi, Todd. I think you. I think you could. Uh, they could still have this. I think they could cut down Paradise down with the fireworks and stuff like that, like some of the communities have, or or stuff like that. And and that because it's a nice community and stuff like that. It's part of summer, you know. Well, I. I thanks. I mean, the problem is it. It just doesn't work. I mean, this is the reality. They've had to. They've had to eliminate all sorts of things over the years. And the last thing that went was the fireworks, and it went because you had neighbors. Um, some of the new folks who moved into uh, Bayview, who I think decided, well, we just we don't we don't like all these people coming down, and we don't like the we don't like these fireworks, and there's booms, and it and it's and it's noisy for a couple days, and it's just distracting, and you know this doesn't represent what Bayview is anymore. I'm not sure what that necessarily means, but so you have the hipsters that didn't like the invasion of riffraff i guess from people from outside of bayview and so you kill the fireworks and it just they can't make money at it anymore 414-799-1620 and i gotta tell you i think it's a damn shame let's talk to greg in wauwatosa greg you're on wtmj hi jeff hi greg hey thanks for taking my call sure um long time listener yes i grew up in bayview lived there for boy 30 some years and always a family favorite yeah. yeah, or a festival favorite. All my family, relatives, friends, we get together for a pre-party before the frolic started, and then we go to the parade at noon. Watch all the bathing beauties, <laughs> all the all the beautiful cars, the car it shows, which an, were an institution. It, absolutely, it's an institution. It's, it, it is an institution. In fact, my older brother was part of the Lions. Uh, he was president. They organized one of the years of the festival, and one of the highlights of the parade. I always thought was when the tank would roll down the street mm-hmm. and yeah. then young kids would decide to throw a couch out there and go over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it was just, you know, it, it was just, to me, it was classic sort of Bayview. And like I was saying earlier, Greg, I understand that sometimes these events, well, they, they kind of outlive themselves. Circus Parade would be my best example of that from around here. But I don't think that was the frolics. I mean, what what happened was, in my opinion, the county, the city, they, they they kept charging the Lions more and more and more money to rent these places. And then once they killed the fireworks, that that's that was a big draw. And so you take that stuff away, and it just doesn't make any sense anymore. And I just think it's just unfortunate that people weren't willing to work with the Bayview Lions Club more to try to keep this thing rolling. I, I totally agree with you, Jeff. And one other component that might, you might not have mentioned is I think the advertisers back in the day in the 70s and 80s 
were plentiful. They yeah. gave you uh, businesses that would contribute to it. I don't know what happened with that or why the sponsorship was not as great in the last yeah. several years, but that was a huge part of it, too. And I agree with your point about the fireworks. Huge draw. Yeah, you I mean, get people, right. I walk, have people walk by the home, our house, and I'd say, hey, can I ask you, where are you guys from? And right. they'd say, you know, Wales, Waukesha, right. Cedarburg. You know, and it was people that would come from all over besides the baby wife to, to take part of this. Right, exactly. Thanks. For, and, and then they spend the money. You know, so you might say, well, what, what, what is, what is the fireworks as a draw? Well, no, because people come down to see the fireworks and they come from Waukesha. Or they come from Mequon or whatever and they, they buy beer at the beer stands or whatever. So, I mean, that's how you support the event. Don in Bayview. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hi. hi. Um, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hi. You're on the air. Yeah, um, I am a Bayview Lion. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And the, the cost of everything is crazy. Yeah. When Tony Zelensky took the fire away, uh, fireworks away from us, it, you guys are right on the head. It just, we lost our last product. We lost somewhere up around 18000 Yeah. our last year. Yeah, be, because I mean the fireworks were this huge draw. They'd all they, they, what do you guys used to call them? Blow up the beach or something, and then yeah. a hand a, a relative handful of people started complaining, and then the politicians stabbed you guys in the back, and then you know it, you oh. just couldn't make money out of it. Yeah, it is. But we do have a new thing coming up. It's called a slice of summer. It's at Immaculate Conception. Okay. On July 13th. So if anybody wants to sponsor the baby <laughs> lions, and all the lions are coming from all around their area to support us and help us. Good enough. Um, everybody's born. We have a car art show, and we have bands at night. Good so. enough. Well, it's, 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 I, and look, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate all the work that you guys did, the Bayview Lions Club, and you're, you, 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 the entire organization went above and beyond to try to keep this rolling. I just think it's, it's too darn bad that maybe more people weren't out there willing to help you. Hey, thanks for the call, Don. Let's talk to Kenny in Bayview. Kenny, your neck of the woods. Hello. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Ta- Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've lived in Bayview my entire life, and, when they shut that down, they shut down a tradition. I don't know how long that went on, but I want to say 75-plus years. 1948 I'm, was the first year, and the Lions ran it since 1995. So, yeah, long time. And I'll tell you what, we're missing out on a lot. And I definitely know there's more majority of people that would like to do a stage than the minority of people that wanted it to go. Yeah, I no, thank, thanks for the call. I, I guess that that's kind of my sense as well. And, again, it was... It shows how fragile these things are because, I mean, this this was an institution. If you are new to this area and you say, well, why is this guy spending you know, 20 minutes talking about the, this this thing that the Lions Club put on? It's because this was an institution in Bayview, and it was essentially killed. I think it was killed before its time, again, because you had politicians that weren't willing to work with them, maybe give them a couple breaks on some of the costs and things like that, but but also because they caved into the complaints of a relative handful of, of new residents of Bayview, the, the gentrified hipsters who just, oh, they're, they're shooting off fireworks on the beach. Oh, this is terrible. Well, okay. Yeah, now, now it's not going to be there. Hope you're happy. Joe on the north side. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I, I don't think it was the money was the reason. I went down there the last year it was held, uh, and I walked in about halfway through the fireworks, me and my girlfriend. There were people urinating everywhere, throwing up everywhere, neighbors ready to duke it out with 
drunk and people parked in their yards, in their driveways. And then we stood around for about an hour after the fireworks were done just watching the mass stupidity and drunkenness. And I owned a bar in West Dallas, a rock and roll live music bar, for eight years. And I have never been so shocked in my life. And I turned to my girlfriend and I said, I can't believe Bayview allows this. And sure enough, the next year it was done. Yeah, well, thanks for calling. I guess, I, I look, I, I, all I got to tell you is... That I, I'm somebody who attended the South Shore Frolics on a on a regular basis. And I can't say I went every year, but I, I'd go every couple years, and I, we'd stick around for the fireworks from time to time. And I guess that's just not my experience. Am I am I denying that where you were, maybe you saw it as being like a, a drunken sort of thing? Okay, maybe on that particular night that was it. That's not that's not my general recollection of of the area and the problems. I mean, I, I guess I don't, I, I didn't walk away from that saying, oh boy, this is unsafe, or there's all these people that are completely and totally out of control. That wasn't my general sense. Now, I'm not denying that maybe you could have had that particular experience. Bottom line is, I guess I just don't believe this summer that the community of Bayview is going to be better off now that the frolics are gone than they were all these years in the past when they had them. But this is an example of, like I say, some people complain, and then they, they end up getting their way. The politicians did not support this at all, did not help the, the Bayview Lions Club keep this going. Once the fireworks went away, you pretty much guaranteed that this wasn't going to happen. And I, I guess it's just unfortunate in my mind. This is Jeff Wagner, back with more in just a moment. Okay, here's a couple texts before we move away. Tony from the South Side says, so does this mean there's going to be no fireworks at South Shore Park on July 4th? Well, because fireworks makes no make noise. What's for next? Canceling fireworks altogether? Well, maybe. Um, here's Justin. He says, Jeff, I think it's a sad loss for Bayview. I enjoyed many frolics over the years, including when they had a big parade and entertainment. Apparently, the new residents, many of whom have hyper dogs scared by fireworks, have killed it, though they do welcome patrons all season to the South Shore Beer Garden. Here's another text. Bayview is full of a bunch of whiny snowflakes whose motto should be NIMBY which is not in my backyard. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but uh, this is, I, I just, I mean, I watch traditions around here as somebody who's lived here most of my life come and go, and I just, sometimes you just mark their passing and just kind of shake your head, and the the passing of the South Shore Frolics, um, gone, but hopefully not forgotten. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. I, I haven't offered a lot of commentary on on this th- these tankers that were attacked in the Strait of Hormuz today, um, simply because it's an emerging story, but it has the potential to be a big story. Here, here's the deal: Iran is very, you know, the, the relations between the U.S. and Iran are not good, and Iran is very, very concerned. I mean, their, their big export is oil. And, and right now, there is, there's a glut of oil worldwide. And as the price of oil drops, well, the, the value, and there's all sorts of U.S. sanctions about buying things from Iran, and as the price of oil worldwide drops, all right, that, that hurts Iran. It hurts the economy of the country, which is based pretty much on, on oil. So what happened is this morning... Um, around dawn, 
Um, the, these, there's these two tankers that are in the, the, the Strait of Hormuz. They're about 25 miles off the southern coast of Iran. One is this Norwegian-owned tanker loaded with oil from the United Arab Emigrants. It radios for help. It's on fire. Short time later, a Japanese tanker loaded with a different type of oil from Saudi Arabia and Qatar also calls for help. U.S. Navy sends a destroyer. Um, they say the ships had been hit in a reported attack. Some of the reports out there su- suggest that these two tankers were torpedoed. I-, I don't know that that's the case or not, but they're describing it as an, an attack. Um, Fox News is quoting some U.S. officials as blaming Iran. Don't know if that's the case or not. The sailors on the tankers were, you know, rescued. Um, and so I don't think there's any sort of loss of life about this at all. But the, the conventional wisdom is that this, this is a, Iran who, um, you know, is, is again trying to jack up the price of oil worldwide by you know, questioning by making people doubt the, the security of the supply pipeline, you know, and you, you go after tankers and that's it. Iran previously used mines against oil tankers in 87 in and 1988, and they're also suspected of being involved in uh, in mining um, other oil tankers um, off another nearby port a while back. So Iran denied being involved, but it, I mean, if it looks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, maybe it's a duck. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but it's definitely a ratcheting up of tensions. But if you're wondering why would Iran be attacking tankers, well, it's because those tankers are competing with their oil, and the idea is, you know, if we can if we can make worldwide, if we can make people fear the supply of oil, or it might be drying up, or it might become more difficult to get it around, prices will in fact go up. And as a matter of fact, my understanding is that crude oil prices are in fact going up today. So stay tuned. More details will in fact emerge. But bottom line is, looks like, again, tensions with Iran are ratcheting up to a new level. All right, I want to completely and totally switch gears. Jordan, who's producing the show today in lieu of Gru, you know what a Civil War reenactor is? Yes, I do. You have heard about that, right? I've been to one. You've been to one. Where was the one you went to? I think when I was younger, there was one in Sockville, Pioneer Village. Right. They do it up in Sockville, yeah, in County, absolutely. Uh, Rhode Island. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Civil War reenactments, and, and I've seen two at least. I, I saw one at Gettysburg. You know, if you ever get a chance to visit like Gettysburg, do it. Just, just do it. And I always recommend if you're going to visit battlefields, do it if you can at the time of year when the battles were fought because you really get an idea of what the terrain was like and what the weather was like and things like that. But there are, there are thousands, there are tens of thousands of people um, who, as, as hobbies, they are Civil War reenactors. And what they do is they, they collect costumes that, and I say costumes, I mean uniforms, you know, from the period. And what they will do is they will go out over, over a weekend or whatever, and they'll get together with a, a large group of their fellow enactors, 
and they will they'll set up separate camps and they'll reenact battles from the, the Civil War. And in general, they'll often they'll invite the general public to come so you can kind of watch this. And there's a huge educational value to this. But it's also I mean, I think it's also something, you know, fun for the reenactors to, to do. They enjoy it. It's kind of their hobby. But it's also a chance, you know, you get to see some of these people up close and personal and you can kind of get an idea of boy you know this is this is what it was like for the soldiers in you know 1863 or 1862 or or whatever all right so these reenactments have been going on for quite a while one of the places where they for years have staged a a reenactment has been at the Lakewood Forest Preserve in Wakanda Illinois they have civil war days and it's been, again, they've been doing this for years. This year, Civil War Days is scheduled for July 13th and July 14th. And what will happen is they will have thousands of reenactors who will, um, I'm going to say thousands, uh, maybe hundreds is closer to it, but they're going to have a number of people that are going to come to this area. They're going to set up tents and then they're going to restage two Civil War battles. And what they do is they study this and they, they, they demonstrate how the battle was fought. Typically, they do this over two days and they pick two different battles. And one day is a battle that the North wins and one day is a battle that the South wins. Because, as they say, you know, nobody likes to be on the losing side all the time, which you can, you can kind of understand. So it's an educational thing. It's a fun thing. It's an historical thing. Well, I bring this up because earlier this week, the president of the Lake County Forest Preserves District had unilaterally canceled Civil War days. And again, they estimate that you know about 3,000 people are going to show up at this. Why, why did they cancel it? Well, the, the president of, this, of the preserve said that, well... He questioned the value of a Civil War-themed event, saying, all right, um, the Civil War was about slavery. The Civil War didn't end slavery. Slavery wasn't over that day. It was a gruesome, pathetic, despicable war on American soil. Um, If the the South had won, um, would they be reenacting it every year? The answer is no. He objected to the Confederate flag because that there, there are, I hope you're sitting down for this, it's a Civil War reenactment, and, you know, there's two sides. There's the North, there's the South. The South fought under the Confederate flag. So, you know, during the two days this goes on, there's people that are waving the Confederate flag. So the particular politician or bureaucrat decided this is offensive you know, we should not be glorifying the Civil War, and we certainly shouldn't have, you know, people pretending to be Confederate soldiers who are reenacting battles. And and by the way, in one of the reenactments, they actually win one of the battles. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mean, does, does history mean nothing in 2019? I understand the Confederate flag is extremely controversial, but we're not talking about flying it over a state house. We are talking about American history, and American history, the Civil War, is part of that. So, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, 
the Civil War days, is it, do they not belong? Do these reenactments not belong on public spaces anymore? Is it time to put an end to this? Because we are glorifying the Southern cause. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can you sanitize history? Should we sanitize history? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Okay, Steve text. Jeff, they should leave it alone. My grandson does those reenactments. He loves doing it, and he learns a lot. Another text. Jeff, what's next? We remove all mention of the Civil War in our history books? Well, perhaps. All right, here's the contrary view. Jeff, as a white person, I don't think we can understand how offensive the Confederate flag is to African Americans. Okay, to which my response would be, you can't sanitize history. You know, this is this is a reenactment of history. I'm not talking about, you know, waving the Confederate flag over a state capitol. I mean, do we pretend that the Civil War did not happen because some people in 2019 might be offended? All right, here's another text. Jeff, we don't celebrate any other war. And I guess I would argue, first of all, I don't know that we're celebrating the war. It is an historical reenactment. But anyways, we don't celebrate any other war. If we had a World War II reenactment, would we celebrate the Nazi point of view, or would we reenact a battle that the Nazis won? Well, okay, is this – and are you celebrating a point of view when you say, okay, we're, we're going to show people what life was like in the Civil War, and yeah, this is the, this was the Southern perspective, and this is what their equipment was like and all, and this is the way it was in the North. Is that celebrating a particular point of view, or is it teaching people about what the world was like in 1862? I would argue it's the latter. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mark in Milwaukee. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Although the political correctness is kind of bothering me today, I admit. Well, it definitely is getting old. And, you know, over the last five to ten years, it's becoming more and more prevalent. But if you throw away the history book, if you burn the history book, you don't learn from your mistakes. Now, everybody will tell you that the Civil War was one of the darkest times in American history. Mm -hmm. However, it was also a time that can be looked at that said, you know what? Right triumphed over wrong. Not necessarily evil, but right and wrong, because... You look at the folks that we have now on both sides of the Mason-Dixon line, there's a lot of good people on both sides. Sure. And unfortunately, you know, Milwaukee over the last five years has not, how can you say, been rated well when it comes to segregated major cities in the country. But the point is, is at what point do you draw the line? History is something you can't take away. It's history for a reason. And you use these events to teach your kids, to teach your grandsons, your granddaughters, the difference between right and wrong and why we did what we did. And if you take away because of someone's strict belief, I'm right. sorry, that, that covers up the purpose of why yeah. so many people lost their life. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it, history is what the history is. When, during the break, one of my colleagues came in and said that um, he and his, his wife were on a vacation. And I forget if he said they were in Charleston or Savannah. Um, he said, you know, we, we toured a plantation, you know, and, and on that plantation, you know, they also had they had various demonstrations and stuff of, of what life was was like, you know, in the, the pre-Civil War sort of days. And then they had an also another section explaining, you know, that they used slaves and all those types of things. Um, it, it wasn't an endorsement of it. It wasn't a celebration of it. It was that this is this is the way it was. I mean, I, I, I will tell you, like I said, I went to a Civil War reenactment at, at, at Gettysburg and it was just 
it was fascinating. It was incredibly educational. All these things that you've read about in the history book, you know, you could stand there and you could see and you could imagine, gee, what it must have been like in, you know, July of 1863, you know, what it must have been like for, for the men on, on both sides. And I guess I just think we would be losing so very much. And, and yes, you know, there were men on the, from the fighting from the north and there were people fighting from the, the south. And, and, but now we, we have to pretend that that didn't happen or we have to say, no, we, we can't have historical reenactments. I mean, seriously, do, do we stop teaching that? Is that what this thing is now? You know, because somebody might be offended by this. We, we can't, we, we, let's, do we just burn the books? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dale in Milwaukee. Dale, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, hey, I just want—I just wanted to clarify that up in Iola at the military show, we've been doing the reenactments of World War II and Vietnam for the past twenty years. Okay, and it's an educational thing for the young kids, so they know exactly what our fathers and forefathers went through. Right. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so there are there are these different reenactments. That makes sense to me. There are these different reenactments. So you you have people who are, are dressed as German soldiers. These reenactments, for example. Oh, correct. And they even have the German vehicles and all the military gear. And same with the Americans. Uh, we even have a, a, a Liberty, what we call Miss Liberty. She's a Sherman tank that still runs to this day. And okay. people get to ride in it. Yeah, I mean, again, and it's it's not an endorsement of the the Nazi point of view. It's a reflection of okay, this is what people were. This is this is what life was like, and for for some Americans who were fighting overseas in nineteen you know forty four, this is what it was like. Huh? It, it's not an endorsement. Nobody's endorsing the Nazi way of life. You're just using it as a teaching mechanism. Exactly, like we show them what a radio was back then. Compared to a cell phone we use nowadays, the radios we used to talk with back in World War II were 50 pounds. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, exactly. No, thanks for the call. I mean, I, I, get, I guess, see, that's, that's the bigger point about all this. It's that we're so wrapped up in, in this political correctness and somebody might be offended and, and that, that you just have to not only just sanitize, but now it's like, let's just erase history. And, you know, and it is interesting because the, the guy that canceled this, and I'll give you the update on that in just a minute, the guy that canceled this, um, you know, his, his argument is, well, that then they even, you know, they even show some of the battles that the, the Southern soldiers won. Well, okay, the Southern soldiers did win certain battles. Now, the reason they do that as a practical matter that the organizers say is because because, well, you know, people sometimes you like to be on the winning side. <laughs> you know, it's but but again, it's an educational type of of thing. Let's talk to Rich in Muskego. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, Jeff. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, listen to your uh, caught your program here, and I just want to say that um, I I'm not a reenactor, but I'm in a Civil War camp. We are the sons of Union veterans of the Civil War, and basically, we honor. Um, union vets that are right. perished, that are buried. We try to maintain their grave sites. We do ceremonies at their grave sites. Right now we're doing a last soldier, a Civil War vet that was buried in each county in Wisconsin. So we're on schedule to do 72 ceremonies right. on the state. And I fired a musket. I fired a Civil War musket many times. And it's amazing afterwards that people come up to us and say, I didn't realize it takes you so long to load, reload, and fire. Right. You know, just that historical perspective, not an automatic rifle that can, you know, yeah. kill 50 people a minute. You know, here you got to take your time and reload and, and, uh, and aim mm. and fire. 
And it's just a historic uh, perspective of it. Um, right. Also, during the Civil War, 2% two, two of the population perished, killed. Right. So that would be like 7.5 million people today. Right, and, and you can't ignore that. I mean, that, that's something that we should be teaching people about and letting them, letting them see what the clothing looked like and letting them see what the armaments looked like and letting them see what a camp looked like. I, I, no, thanks. It's, it, it's just... It's history. It's not an endorsement of the South will rise again or anything like that. It's showing people that, okay, and again, I go back to Gettysburg because that's coming up at the end of, you know, at the end of this month. You know, the Battle of Gettysburg was fought at the very end of June and, the and you know, early part of July in 1863. Okay, so this is this was an important part of American history, arguably maybe the turning point of the Civil War. All right. I mean, do we not want people to see it or to see the flags? Now, the update on the story is after this pinheaded bureaucrat decided to cancel it, huge, huge backlash, including from a number of the other commissioners. So at least for this year, it is, in fact, back on, to which I say, good. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, we were talking about how cold it was, and I confess that I had to, this morning I turned oh, yeah. on the, the heat mm-hmm. in the house, and we shouldn't feel bad because a number of people are texting saying that they, they dug out the electric blankets oh, wow. last night and stuff like that. <laughs> no, yeah. wow. Yeah, like, I did put an extra blanket on my bed as well. So, yeah, so there you go. So it, we, we are not alone. Now it's up to 65 degrees, and so that that's good, and hopefully... Uh, although the long-term forecast for the next four weeks is, <laughs> is going to be in the 60s. Well, it's colder than normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's colder than normal after a miserable winter. But that's okay. <laughs> we, we live in Wisconsin. We're tough. All right. Here's my premise of the next story. The guy's a crook, but, you know, if we didn't play along with it, he wouldn't have been able to get away with it. Do we hold some responsibility? Here's the story. Jordan, do you know what Cole's cash is? K-O-H-L-S, Cole's cash? Yeah, I think my mom has a lot of it. Okay, right, exactly. I mean, here, here's the deal. Kohl's Shopping Center, well, Kohl's, the, the Kohl's department stores. What happens is if you go to Kohl's and you spend 50 bucks, for every 50 bucks you spend, you get $10 in Kohl's, K-O-H-L-S, Kohl's cash, which is like a gift certificate. And it's redeemable, so, you know, you can you can amass this. So if you, you know, you spend 500 bucks, um, you know, you're going to get a, $100 in Kohl's cash. And it, it's you can use this for anything. It's like money buying stuff in, in the stores. Now, you, you get Kohl's cash as a coupon when you stop in a store. Or in an email if you shop online. However, there's a lot of people that have um, have their own accounts. They've got Kohl's.com shopping accounts. And if you've got a Kohl's.com shopping account, you know, you go and you give them your number, you don't have to fool around with coupons or emails or stuff. When you go and you shop at Kohl's, they automatically put your, your Kohl's cash in your, your account. So, you know, you, you don't have to fool around with that at all. It is a convenience. Well, here's the deal. The feds have just issued criminal charges against a guy named Robert Gordon, who is a staff sergeant and an active reserve member in the U.S. Army. Um, he's in the, the western half of the state, up in Weston, and and his wife. Here's what they are accused of doing. Apparently, what this guy would do is he's got um, again, uh, a you know one of these these bots, you know the things that do like the 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 mass 
the, the mass inquiries. You, know, you, you would use a bot, for example, if you're going to be making robocalls or something like that. So apparently what he would do is, is he had a computer program, a bot. The purpose of this program was to attack the Kohl's online account login page. So what they would do is that this this program would go to the Kohl's login page and they would it would throw out millions of usernames and passwords. So that was the idea. And what it ended up doing is it would it would identify and they're they're just doing this millions and millions of different usernames and passwords and all these combinations and they would get hits on these i mean they were just i know it sounds like well i mean how many times would you have to do it well they've got they've got this this computer program so i mean it's just millions and millions of random things and they put them together and apparently they would have successes once a login was successful the bot would then remove the Kohl's cash from the person's account. So, I mean, they're making these randomized attacks on the Kohl's website. Um, you know, let's say, you know, let's say my account is Jeff and the password is 1234. So they try Jeff and they try it with 1234 and, oh, they've got a hit. So then they go in, they find out that, you know, I've got $100 in Kohl's cash. It takes it out. All right. So then the guy's got all these certificates. All right. So what he decides to do is he decides via Twitter that he's going to sell these these certificates at 50 percent of value. All right. So he's now on Twitter. I've got, you know, 50 percent. I've got one hundred dollars in Kohl's cash. You can have it for 50 bucks. So you can go and you can buy, you know, one hundred dollars worth of merchandise. But he's got all sorts of of rules for this. He said, you know, that you'd have to pay him through money transfer apps like cash app. It also says that he's instructing people, you know, how to redeem the cards. He says, you know, for example, you should never use more than $200 worth of Kohl's cash at a time, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all these different things, different ways that he has to try to stop this from being uncovered. Well, it turns out that, um, you know, he ended up, Let's see, between January and November of last year, he transferred almost $100,000, almost $100,000 to his bank account. So he made a ton of money doing this. And there were a there were a ton of people who were, in fact, you know, doing this, who were buying this stuff in this fashion. Now, the guy is clearly a creep and a thief. And he and his wife have been indicted. And if these allegations are correct, that's fine. They deserve to be prosecuted. I have a but, though. And here's the but. This doesn't work. This scheme doesn't work unless there's a lot of greedy people who are willing to go along with it. Now, and this is what I want to discuss with you. Okay, you're on Twitter. You see somebody offering $200 in Kohl's cash certificates for $100, telling you never spend more than $200 at the same time, and you got to pay for them in this cash app. All right, the, the people that are buying this from him, shouldn't they have known 
that they were buying stolen merchandise, or at least that there was something funny about this. And I'm not arguing that they necessarily should be criminally charged, but I guess I'm looking at this story, and I'm thinking, you know, guys like this don't do this, and they don't get away with doing this unless there's all sorts of other people that are saying, hey, I'm looking for a deal. I know there's something fishy about this. I probably know that this is stolen, but, you know, I don't care because I want to be able to get $100 in gift certificates for 50 bucks. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, am I being too tough on the customers of this guy? Or is this one where red flag should have been going off all over? And the people the, the people who purchase these certificates via Twitter, you know, through this guy's Twitter account, under these circumstances and with these limitations, to me, this is the equivalent. This is the, you know, cyber age equivalent of, you know, going into – I don't know, the alley behind the bar and having the guy sell you a $700 TV for 150 bucks. Should the patrons and customers have known this was hot merchandise? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. My answer would be yes, and I would also say shame on them. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Here's a text, Jeff. This is no different than what happens every day at the Little Corner Market when somebody buys your EBT food card for half the value. Yeah, it, it's the same. It, it It is, on one level, it's the same type of, of scam. You know, you're not, the person's, you know, not entitled to have that EBT card, and the person who is entitled to it sells it for, you know, 50% of the face value to get the cash to use to spend on booze or cigarettes or drugs or whatever. But this is just, it, I mean, it's a more sophisticated version of that same scheme, you know, ripping off people's accounts. Now, to Coles's credit, Coles made good on this, and that, that's where – so Coles ends up being out because once they found all these people who have been ripped off, they put the money back into the they, – they, they put the money back into the accounts. Um, so they ended up out over $100,000. 414-799-1620. I guess my point is that this can't happen unless you, you've got the other people who had to know that there was something fishy about this, but but they didn't care. Uh, Mary uh, Mary Jo in Sheboygan. Mary Jo, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, I just want to take it just a step further, and these are my feelings. Um, I think it's just another one of the dangers of the Internet, of, you know, purchasing things on there. I don't think that the common folk has that much knowledge looking into something. That's what I'm going to argue. I'm going to say, no, people don't. They'll just, oh, I can get that. I'm going to get that. You know, my husband is one that will buy anything online, and I often stop and say, did you think about that? Right. Where did that originate? You know, things like that. As, as a matter of fact, we were okay, also well, let me stop. Of- let me stop you. Would, you. would you agree with me? Let's go back to what I was talking about with the you, – you, you and your husband are at a bar or a restaurant, and you see there's all this activity in the back alley, and you walk out, and there's a guy that's selling – I, I don't know, selling $250 juicers for 50 bucks right. out of the back, you would have all sorts of red flags that went up, right? <laughs> Saying there's right. something funny here. Okay, all right. So is so is this is this that different from that, really? I think people think the Internet is safe. I think they think it's a worldwide thing. I don't think people put that much thought into it. I think they think they're safe. 
I think they don't think about how things originate. Uh-huh. I think I think it takes a little bit more reasoning that the common folk doesn't use. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, so you, you're saying people just might be clueless instead of, or clueless and greedy something. instead of just greedy. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And the other thing, I didn't like that closed cash when it came out. In fact, we were a victim of fraud of it in a different way. People, somehow somebody got my account off of the Internet. Right. They went and they purchased things, picked them up, and they actually didn't ID them. They picked them up and... What they were after was the Kohl's cash. They took the items back, so yeah. there wasn't fraud on my card, but they got the Kohl's cash. I said that right away when they started this. I don't like this idea. I bet you things are going to happen with this. And well, here's a good example of a whole bunch of things happening with it. Well, no, yeah, thanks for calling. I mean, and this this was obviously a, a thought-out thing because, I mean, he had – According to the allegations, he had a specific computer program, and this is what it was designed to do. It was designed to attack the Kohl's website and come up with all these different, you know, millions and millions of permutations of, you know, usernames and passwords. And obviously, I mean, it hit. At least it hit on some. Now, here's an interesting text, Jeff. I don't think the people are to blame. They probably think the guy has a wife who does a lot of shopping, and since they don't have any cash value, he may just have been hard up for money and was selling them to get the cash. Well, see, I don't mean to be too cynical, but I don't buy that. When I guess when you when, when you look at the the thing, like for example, the guy is saying, "Well, well, don't cash in more than two hundred dollars worth of this at once." I mean, that that should be like these red flags, at least, that are going off. And when the guy is saying, well, the only way I'm going to be reimbursed for this is you're going to have to send me cash on all these things. I'm sorry. I just think you put this together. And I think I think most people should realize that if if something is too good to be true and it sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. Now, I'm not arguing, not arguing that they should be criminally prosecuted, but. Here's just the food for thought on this. Whenever we complain about identity theft and the, the the real problem that is, you know, the fraud that goes on on a regular basis. Can I see a show of hands? How many of you gotten a call sometime in the last five years from your credit card company telling you that your credit card has been compromised or something like that? For For everybody who is frustrated with that. And I understand that and the inconvenience and the fear and what's happened. Well, okay, the person that did that did it to use your credit card so that they could buy stuff with your credit card that then they are going to be reselling either over the Internet or out of that alley in the truck to somebody else who doesn't care where that person got it from. And see, and that's where that's where the whole idea of the identity fraud and the, the, the wire fraud, that's where it all comes in. If people wouldn't buy the stuff in the first place, and I understand I'm, I'm swimming upstream against human nature, but if people wouldn't buy the stuff in the first place, there wouldn't be a market for this. And I guess I just look at the facts and circumstances here, and, and my guess is, okay, maybe the people didn't know for sure 100% it was positive, but they didn't really care about it either. They just thought that they were getting a good deal. And now, interestingly enough, the guy that was doing that and his wife are both looking at 55 years in federal pen. They're, they're not going to get 55 years, but at least they're out of commission. But who knows what's going to happen next? This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, 
One community goes after drivers who give money to panhandlers. We'll discuss and ask whether we should consider doing something like that here. Um, just an update. The, the, it's, it's called the Varsity Blues Scandal. This is that, that college cheating scandal that got all the news and caught up a couple of the Hollywood celebrities, you know, the ones where the, the people would pay enormous amounts of, of bribes to uh, this one particular guy, and what he would do is he would then arrange to get the kids into uh, exclusive colleges that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do, get into. Well, the first person who's been convicted in connection with this, his name is John Vandemore. He's the former sailing coach at Stanford. He was sentenced yesterday. The government wanted him to go to prison for 13 months. The judge, one day in prison and six months of house release as part of two years of probation. So in other words, not even a slap on the wrist. Now, the one thing the, like I say, this is the first person to be sentenced. It doesn't necessarily mean that the judge is going to be soft on everyone else because this was kind of a unique situation. This is the Stanford sailing coach. And what would happen is the, the guy who was the mastermind of this, his name was Rick Singer. He, he came to the Stanford sailing coach and he pitched a couple of these people as sailing recruits, even though you know, they weren't ever going to be on the sailing team. So the guy, the coach, went along with this. He got bribes. He collected about $610,000 in bribes. So why is his case a little bit different? Because what he did, he didn't pocket the $610,000. He said that he viewed these as donations to the sailing department. So what he did is when he got the checks, he walked over and he deposited them. He gave them to the athletic department, and they put them in an account for the benefit of the sailing department. So they went out and they used them to buy uh, boats and things like that and equipment. So he didn't personally benefit from it. So in this case, he's a little bit different because most of the coaches, for example, who took bribes, they put it in their pocket and they spent it on themselves. This guy gave it all to the university. Now, and he said, well, I guess now that I think about it, I understand that I was doing something that was wrong, but it didn't really occur to me that I was doing anything other than fundraising. So he he got a slap on the wrist. And a lot of people are saying that means everybody else associated with this are going to get a slap on the wrist. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily go that far because, like I say, this guy was unique. He didn't pocket any of the money. But it does show just how screwed up overall the college admissions process is. So very glad to have you with us. Somebody is going to get killed unless they stop this. And I don't want it to be you, and I don't want it to be me. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know one of the things that I rail about is the, the panhandlers that we have around here who who park themselves like on, um, on freeway off-ramps or on median strips of busy streets, and, and they panhandle, and they try to get cars to stop. And some of the panhandlers are more aggressive than others. I've seen, and you probably have too, situations where people, these guys will be walking, they'll be at a red light, and they'll be walking down two lanes of traffic hoping that somebody is going to give them money. Now, first of all, I agree with the city of Milwaukee that you should not give panhandlers money. I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, if you want to make a donation, you, you make it somewhere where you know the money is going to a good cause. You give it to a food bank. You give it to a rescue mission, etc. as opposed to somebody who might legitimately need it 
or might instead be planning to use it for booze or dope or might just be scamming you, period. So I, I'm I'm against this to begin with. I also think that these panhandlers, the ones who wander in the streets and stuff, sooner or later somebody's going to get hit. That, that's that's just the reality. It is just as sure as night follows day, somebody's going to be hit, and then we're going to be also asking these questions about how how is this allowed to go on. And in Milwaukee, it is illegal to stand in some of these areas, but I, I get it. It's tough for the cops to enforce this. All right, the city of Newark has an interesting way of dealing with this. Not only is it illegal to panhandle on you know different median strips and things of the like, they have just passed an ordinance directed at the drivers. The ordinance now says that people, drivers, who stop their cars, and while the cars are running, while they're in their cars on the streets, they're saying that it, it's illegal to give the panhandlers money from your car on the public streets. What they say is, okay, first of all, when a driver stops and gives a panhandler money, they're basically helping them feed bad habits. I agree with that. But they're also saying it's a safety risk. And I'll, I'll give you a classic example of this the, the other day. I was I was about four cars behind the intersection. I won't tell you which one. It doesn't necessarily matter. There was a panhandler that was on the median strip of this relatively big, of this relatively busy street. What happened is... One of the cars decided that they wanted to slow down in order to give the person money. Well, okay, the car in this particular case, and I'm watching this all transpire, had the right of way. And so the, the car, instead of going at 30 miles an hour or whatever, they slow down and kind of pull over to the side of their lane, but they're still in their lane to reach out and give the panhandler money. And it was nothing short of a miracle that the car behind the person that decided to do this was able to swerve and not rear-end them because they didn't expect, the driver of that second car didn't expect that the person in front of them was suddenly going to slow down and kind of veer halfway off out of their lane so they could give the panhandler on the median strip money. I, I was thinking it's just amazing that this that, that this was not a collision somewhere. So what Newark is saying is, yeah, we're, we're going to go after the panhandlers. You're not allowed to take money from them. But if you're in a car on a public street, you it's it's going to be an ordinance violation if you give money to that person. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this only applies to, you know, cars that are running on the public streets. You know, if you want to pull into a parking lot or something like that and give the panhandler money, that's a whole different story. But would you support something that not only says to the panhandlers, you know, you can't be on the median strips, you know, you can't be on the freeway off-ramps, but also says to the drivers, if you're in your car and you're on a public street, no, you, you can't be giving money because it's a safety risk. My short answer to that is, yeah, it is a safety risk. And and somebody, and this could be you, you know, somebody's going to get involved in a rear-end chain reaction or something where one person slows down and then ends up getting hit. Or conversely, you know, you're parked at the red light and, you know, you're interacting with the panhandler and you're reaching into your wallet or your purse to give them dough and the light turns green. 
and the people behind you are ready to go, but you haven't finished the transaction. 414-799-1620. I would support this 110%. Let's talk to Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Good, uh, thank you for taking uh, my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I absolutely agree with this law, and I think they should try to bring that, that type of law to Milwaukee because I see it way too often where these panhandlers, like you said, they cause a lot of safety, uh, public safety uh, sure. concerns by uh, wandering in the streets, and plus the drivers slam on the brakes, and they obstruct uh, traffic. I've had a couple more than a few near misses because of these people. And, and, and we've got to start uh, targeting the drivers now because they're not uh, paying attention, and they're not uh, following the laws anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, see, that that's that's my idea be, behind this. And I'm not saying don't give money. I mean, if you, if, if you, you again, the city of Milwaukee says donate to food, food banks, donate to the rescue Absolutely. mission. But, but even so, if you want to, if you want to support some panhandler, okay, park your car, walk up and give them money. But when you're driving your car and you're interacting, you pose a safety risk. No, thanks to call 414-799-1620. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. It's, you know, and, and, we all see this. We just all see this on a regular basis. Um, it's the you know the person interacting with the the panhandler on the where they're not supposed to be anyways. We have a there's panhandlers on this corner here on Capitol and Humboldt all the time. And I, I watch this as I drive to and from work, and I'm thinking, you know, somebody somebody's going to get hit, and there's going to be an accident. It's a bad enough intersection to begin with. The last thing you need is somebody standing there trying to induce cars to slow down so they can give them money. That's the last darn thing that you need because it's a bad enough intersection anyhow. Four one four. 799-1620. Jerry in Milwaukee. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Yes. Hi, Jerry. Uh, How are you doing? Good. Uh, is that for all panhandling? Well, yeah, I would, would yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I live over on Layton Avenue, and the police department or fire department do it once a month. Do do what? They stand there with, like, the donations and stuff? Yeah, they have boots. They have their boots out, and... Yeah. And they walk across traffic, and, and they, they take donations. Right, yeah, you wouldn't, if this were to come to Milwaukee, they would uh, not be able to do that. They'd have to set up in a parking lot or something right. and encourage people yeah. to pull in, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. Would you be in favor of something like that? Yeah, that one I would be in favor of, but just sitting, you know, walking out in the traffic at the stop and go light, I I don't think that's right. Yeah. No. Thanks. Good. Right. You know? Exactly. And that that's and, and that that is true. That is the downside to this stuff. If for and because you have to be consistent. There's there's not an exception between you know for for Jeff standing on the street corner you know begging money and for you know the guy from the fire department standing there with the boot. No. You you mean if we decide that it's a hazard, it's a hazard. And so the guy just like either the panhandler or the guy from the fire department with the boot, they'd have to. You know, set up somewhere where you'd go off. You wouldn't be on the street where that you would do that. For where you would do that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I also love Milwaukee. I love it. Jerry. We just talked about the stop and go light. I just, I, I just, I, I just love that. To me, they've always been like stop lights. But I know around here they're the stop and go lights. Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, I agree with you, but you know, Jeff, yesterday I left Pottawatomie, turned off a, a canal left on Clybourne to go to the freeway. Yep. And there was a panhandler yep. there, and the sign. There's a sign now above him that says "No lording, no panhandling." There was a, okay. a cop car one ahead of me, and he just looked over at him and waved, and then the cop didn't say nothing, and he kept going. Oh, that's disappointing. You know, they're not. 
they're not enforcing this law. Yeah, that I mean that that's disappointing. The I guess the part of the thing is if you if see if you went after the motorists um, in addition to like the panhandlers, you give them a ticket, you move them along. Okay, they're probably not going to do anything. You go after the motorists. Maybe that shuts it off because I don't know about you, but even if I were inclined to do this, if I got a fifty dollar ticket, that would be it. Well, <laughs> that yeah, would be the know, last time. Yeah. The guys now they're they're knocking on the windows of the car though. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Once once the light, you have to stop at that light. They're knocking on the windows of the car. Oh yeah, no, th- no, exactly. No, it's the, thanks. For, it's the aggressive. It's the aggressive panhandling that's out there. And, and again, I I think I'm surprised. I'll be just. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised that we haven't. And maybe it's happened and it just hasn't made the news. But I'm surprised that we haven't had stories of you know one of these panhandlers that's gotten hit. You know, while they're out there in the street or alternatively that there haven't been, you know, more accidents, whether it's fender benders or whatever, from people, you know, slowing down or, or stopping in in the flow of traffic in order to give people money. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well. Thank you, sir. I, <laughs> I mean, I literally have this. I just happened to, uh, to me firsthand. Uh, there was a guy in front of me. That all of a sudden, coming off of uh, getting off of what is it, twenty fourth or what? By St. Paul, heading to right. Potawatomi. Okay, got it. Sure, and, th- yeah. and that's one of the and, big areas where there's always the panhandlers yeah. hanging out and right at that intersection, St. Paul, right off you go right before you go to the, over the viaduct. Right. He, she, you know, decided just you know to pull over you know suddenly, and I jammed on my brakes and I'm driving a pickup truck, and the guy behind me was driving a Lexus, and uh, he rear-ended me. Okay. It was kind of like, all right, well, this is great. Right. It didn't do much damage to, you know, I mean, been yeah. on there a little bit. But, I mean, he probably had two grand worth of damage done. You know, it was kind of like all yeah. that just for somebody. Right. Well, exactly. Because you don't. And, over. and it's not your fault, Dave, because you don't expect that somebody, when they have the right of way, is going to suddenly slam on their brakes um, just so they can give money to a panhandler. I mean, yeah, I, it was a green light. I yeah. Mean, it was kind of like, right. really? You, right. What, what the heck's going on here? Right. No, I'm no. Thanks for calling. I'm with you. And that and that's what they're trying to that's what they're trying to get at. Just overall, if we start with the basic premise that and this is the premise that the city of Milwaukee takes. This isn't just Jeff Wagner that, that you shouldn't give money to panhandlers because it's just there's a variety of reasons. They're not. Nobody is saying don't be charitable. I'm certainly not saying don't be charitable. Just don't give money to panhandlers because it creates a huge number of problems. But when you do it on the roadways, it creates a special type of problem. And at least Newark, they're saying they're going after the motorists as well as going after the panhandlers. And I say, you bet. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Okay, Jordan, who's been producing the show today. Here, here's one of these deals that I'm going to go into this topic, and I understand some people who are regular listeners are going to say, wait a second, that, that you're being hypocritical with something. And and maybe yes, maybe no. Here, here's the story. Now, by way of background, I don't – I hate is a strong word. I have no use for Canada geese. You know, anybody who lives around here with the, you know, the, the migrating geese – probably has no use for them because they're like flying rats and they poop all over. And where I live, 
um, last year, not so much this year, but last year, I mean, it was just awful. I mean, we were on like a flight path, and these geese would come around, and they would poop all over, and then my stupid dog thinks dog poop is a delicacy, thinks goose poop is a delicacy, and you know, and you're always fighting, don't eat that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just a complete and total mess. So I think these things are flying rats, and and candidly, despite the fact that they are federally protected, I'm in favor of pretty much doing anything you can to eliminate them, which is why... In the area where I live, we have this pond, and they, they, they have swans in the pond. I didn't realize this, but they're not real swans. They're fake swans. But the geese, they don't know. Their geese apparently don't like swans. You put these swans out in the pond, and the geese don't come. We've had very – once they started putting out the swans, it scares away the geese. So I'm not saying we don't have any, but we don't have anywhere near the problem. So anyways, I am not a fan of, of Canada geese, all right? And like I say, most of you probably aren't. Well, here's the deal. This is a story. It, it comes from Mundelein, Illinois, on, on Sunday. Apparently what happened is there was there was a family, 19 Canada geese, that were crossing this particular road, and some driver, they haven't identified the driver yet, but some driver ran over all these geese. And apparently they might have like even backed up, killed all 19 geese, killed all of these 19 geese. So the people that are coming along next, I mean, they find these geese that have all been run over. So on on the one hand, you're like, well, I, I just, you know, I, I don't like these things. I, I wish they weren't around. At the same time, even having said that, as, as much as I don't like them, there's no way in the world, and this happens from time to time, you know, they'll be walking along in front of you. You'll you stop your car. There is no way in the world that I would have driven my vehicle into a family of, of geese. I, I just wouldn't have done it. So the interesting thing now is the authorities down there, they found this. They are They are actively investigating this because, I mean, theoretically, there are, you know, you're via, by killing these geese, you're looking at, at hefty state and federal fines because they are protected by both state law and by federal law down in Illinois, especially during the migrating seasons. So, I mean, this, this could be classified as any one of a variety of things. And whoever did this could be looking at thousands and thousands of dollars worth of fines. So what they're doing now is they are investigating this. They're trying to figure out who, who did it. So far, they don't have any suspects, but they're actually putting out press releases asking for anybody who might have been in that area and might have an idea to, to let them know. And they're trying to check all their traffic cameras because they want to go after who killed all these geese. And I guess I'm, I'm looking at this on the one hand, like I say, I think these are flying rodents. And I think we need to do more to be able to control these type of, of birds. Having said that, I don't have it within me. There's no way I could have plowed into a family of geese that were on the road. And, and yeah, even though I'm not a fan of Canada geese, I, I wouldn't. If they catch the person that knowingly and intentionally drove into them and killed this entire family, yeah, I have no problem at all with them being fined and with them being fined heavily. I mean, seriously, who who does who does this? And I'm not against, you know, goose hunting, you know, in season and in the appropriate places. It's not that, but there's not too much sport to taking your pickup truck or whatever it was and plowing into a family of geese on the road. So 
if they catch this person, whoever he or she is, and they go after him and they end up getting fined thousands of dollars, I'm going to lose no sleep over that at all. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Uh, My producer Jordan's been doing a double shift today, so thank you for the good work. This is Jeff Wagner.